Growing social issues have prompted West Coast wineries and vineyards to push for social justice. An update is next. The Fram episode. Starting in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The Fram episode. The Fram episode. The Fram episode. Sustainability from day one has had three legs. They always talk about the three legs of the stool. One is the environment, uh, one is the economy, and the other is social justice. And uh, it's recognized that in becoming sustainable, you should be able to make money. Uh, we don't think that's a problem for the industry. Uh, they can make money and be sustainable, but they are not addressing environmental or social justice issues. Social justice comes down to housing and to wage. And the housing for the workers in the wine industry in this county is nil to non-existent. Uh, workers are, are uh, doubling up, tripling up, 10 to a room in some of our cities, or some of them, in fact, are living in creek beds, camping out. And if the industry wants to call itself sustainable, they should address this issue. And if they're not, in my book, they're not sustainable. If they don't address the wage issue, uh, they're not sustainable. And the environment, again, is more than saving water and more than making sure that you get a uh, maximum amount of wine uh, for your efforts in terms of production. Uh, so someone has to hold the industry's toes to the fire over the very meaning of sustainability. It's hard to ignore when uh, in the middle of this they call themselves sustainable uh, and they're not. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's amazing to me, actually. So that was six years ago, and that was Ernie Carpenter, a former district supervisor who was talking about the wine industry and uh, the situation in regards to uh, social justice issues in the area of Sonoma County. In this episode of episode three, we are going to uh, focus on wine and social justice. And we're going to get a little update of what's going on on the West Coast. I look forward to this episode because I actually enjoy wine, as a lot of people do. But I really have, over the years, appreciated the fact that I've gotten some opportunities to learn more about viticulture, about enology, opportunities to visit Italy, and to learn about the uh, distribu distribution process of wine and also working for a wine distributor. Uh, so getting some insight here and there. Although I never uh, completed my path and continued on working in the wine industry, I did see some things that were unsettling. And this draws me uh, today, or on this episode, to uh, talk with you about what is going on in the wine industry. And as you know, my podcast is a social, social justice podcast. And so I want to make sure that I do focus on issues that are going on on the West Coast because I am in California uh, and I won't limit it to California. I'll uh, talk about um, what's going on in Washington State as well as Oregon. Let me give you some information. So this is amazing. My very first book into learning about wine was uh, Kevin uh, Zerali's 2002 Windows on the World, a complete wine course. Uh, amazing books like this uh, to the certain extent that they should be. This was a, a wonderful uh, intro to learning about not only wine, but grapes as well. Let me read you a little uh, excerpt that I, I, to this day, was just, uh, I still remember. I know it's weird, but 
uh, I thought this was a very good explanation. What's fermentation? Fermentation is the process by which the grape juice turns into wine. The simple formula for fermentation is sugar plus yeast equals alcohol plus carbon dioxide. The fermentation process begins when the grapes are crushed and ends when all of the sugar has been converted to alcohol or when the alcohol level has reached about 15%, which kills off the yeast. Sugar is naturally present in the ripe grape. Yeast also occurs naturally as the white bloom on the grape skin. However, this natural yeast is not always used in today's winemaking. In many cases, laboratory strains of pure yeast have been isolated, each strain contributing something unique to the style of wine. The carbon dioxide dissipates into the air, except in the case of champagne and other sparkling wines, where this gas is retained through a special process. And then as I, uh, I'm going to continue because I also got another book someone handed to me, it was a used book after you know, this really caught my attention and I, I was really enjoying learning about uh, you know, uh, varietals and learning about uh, the winemaking process. I don't remember who it was, but someone handed me a used uh, Jancis Robinson's 1992 Vines, Grapes, and Wines book that further led me to try my hand at working in sales for a wine distributor in Arizona for a short time. Um, this was when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And so I went, obviously, as you uh, heard in episode uh, one, I went obviously down the path of education uh, and got my PhD in education. So let me read you a little excerpt from uh, Robinson's book. I felt this book was a number two valuable book uh, to have learned a lot about wine, about grapes. The value clearly attached to certain vine names in some areas has exacerbated initial confusion. Pinot is an obvious example. Its name being applied liberally not only to Pinot Blancs and Gris related to Pinot Noir, but also erroneously to Chardonnay and the likes of, so it's Pinot Duny, uh, Pinot de la Loire, which is uh, a type of Chenin Blanc, and uh, Pinot du Ramon. And so, as you can see, the use of the word Pinot was uh, very uh, popular and continues to this day, which it does confuse a lot of people. Uh, Robinson also stated in the book, which I felt this was very insightful. The fact is that Pinot Noir is such an ancient vine. It is thought to be one of the first refinements of wild vines made by man on his route to varietal civilization. And it is certainly not difficult to see the gypsy in Pinot Noir. If Pinot Noir, as we try to know it, was identified and cultivated so early in its evolution, it is not surprising that it is capricious. Now today, my knowledge continues to grow in the area of viticulture. I'm currently growing Pinot Noir grapevines from California vineyards and uh, large old oak wine barrels in my backyard. Basically, I'm trying to focus on, can I maintain a uh, Pinot Noir grape vine in an oak barrel in my backyard? So I'm testing this out. And I know that you have to obviously prune, which is key in this uh, scenario, the situation that I'm trying. And so with, uh, in general, my efforts to focus on social justice, I felt that this would be a good opportunity to discuss wines for social justice in this episode three, and uh, also focus on an update on social justice efforts in the wine industry, uh, particularly in California and the West Coast. Early on, I was introduced uh, to an area in the industry uh, focusing on the uh, 
being an expert on wine, uh, in particular meeting a few sommeliers. And so I, this draw, drew me more in uh, focusing on uh, learning more about uh, the wine production process. Um, but in this area, I had always noticed that the majority of people that I've read about or uh, talked to or had seen at wine tastings uh, were a lot of white people. And um, I had never met anybody but a male. Majority of the sommeliers I had met were males. Uh, only two females uh, just said hi from a distance. There were wine tastings going on in certain places I lived. Uh, but nothing, they were all white, all white people. And so I definitely, uh, to this day, still think this is an area where there needs to be more folks who are not white, who uh, get an opportunity and have access to the education they need to become sommeliers. Okay, so let me um, uh, include an excerpt from ABC 7 News from 2023, this year, earlier, I think it's February, that talks about just one of four black sommeliers, uh, Chris Gaither. So give me a moment and I will load, offer some interesting information uh, about uh, this field and this discipline. Lemon, some lime. Do you think you have what it takes to be a master sommelier? Maybe off chance could be like a grenache blanc. You'd have to be pretty good at this, blind wine tasting. I'll go with a grenache blend coming from France. I think this is Chateau de Pop. Only about 5% of the people who take the exam pass it. And Chris Gaither is one of them. Is this something you just knew would happen for you? It's something that came with a lot of perseverance and a lot of tenacity. Seeing Chris in Ungrafted, the San Francisco wine bar he co-owns, it's hard to imagine he didn't know too much about wine until college, when he got a job at a restaurant where he needed to, and he liked it. Eventually, I became one of the people at the restaurant that knew about all the producers, and I would have my coworkers asking me, hey, what does this one taste like? What does that one taste like? Can you talk to my table over here about this wine coming from Campania? What is that, Tarasi? He decided to pursue wine as a career, moving from Georgia to California for a coveted internship at the French Laundry. Coming to San Francisco and uh, becoming a part of the uh, wine community in San Francisco, I really, really enjoyed it and haven't looked back. Chris set his sights on becoming a master sommelier, a person who specializes in all aspects of wine service and wine and food pairing. He passed the advanced sommelier exam on the first try and also met the woman who would become his wife. We met when we were waiting for results at the advanced exam, which at the time was being held at Disneyland. The two ended up getting married, opening ungrafted and becoming parents, all while trying to become master sommeliers. Rebecca passed the exam in three tries, but Chris kept coming up short. It was really, really difficult. She did most of the work and um, I'm truly grateful for it. But she also motivated me. She said, you, you know you can do this. I think what I said was, you have to do this. The Master Sommelier Diploma has four stages that culminate in a three-part exam that covers theory, service, and tasting. 
we have to taste six wines blind, not knowing what they are, uh, and you have to describe them in no uncertain detail. You have to get most of them correct in, in, in terms of what you're calling them. And you have to do that in 25 minutes. Medium plus alcohol on the verge of almost high. While Chris has it down now, that part took him seven tries to pass. And in 2022, 10 years after starting the process, Chris became a master sommelier. The, the first feeling was just relief. Finally, did it, done. Now, Chris is one of only four black master sommeliers in the world, a reflection of his experience in the wine industry. I've been either the only or maybe uh, one of a handful of uh, black people at every restaurant I've worked at uh, in my whole career. Something in me just wanted to keep going. This is a green event letter from Bacal. Great. Got that one. Now, every Thursday, Chris does blind tastings at Ungrafted for fun, sharing them online with his followers and inviting others to try in person at the restaurant. A welcome to the world of wine for those who might not always feel it. I'm hoping that this shows people that it can be done and that this motivates and encourages other people that look like us to do it. Really high quality, really tasty, and it is perfect. We definitely need to get into the history uh, in regards to the West Coast. And let's talk about Mexican-American winemakers. They have a long connection to the wine industry in California. But you don't hear much or you don't read much about this this history that's left out in a lot of times in regards to contemporary uh, winemaking as well as the industry itself. Now, the Smithsonian National Museum of American History uh, does focus on uh, contributions of the Mexican-Americans to the wine industry. It has an exhibit called Food, Transforming the American Table, 1950-2000. to 2000. The exhibit focuses on the La, Fam La Familia Robledo uh, displayed items from the Robledo family winery, including family patriarch Ronaldo Robledo's Mexican um, heritage. Uh, they have tools that uh, he has used. Uh, they have wine labels from their 2004 vintage of Los Braceros. And this red wine honors the Mexican migrant workers who labored uh, in the Bracero program in the 1950s and 1960s. This is something that I I definitely feel needs to be, uh, there needs to be more emphasis, especially in museums across our country. Uh, you, there's just not enough of this history that not only offers a history of the wine industry, but offers a, hist a cultural history, certain cultures, and their influence on certain industries. And this is good to know. Uh, every American should know this. The backbone of American society is the fact that we are known throughout the world as hardworking people. And this is this is um, prominent in these, this type of history. So this, this should be prominent in many types of museums, whether it's on a, a painted art piece, and it has uh, history on the image you see, or definitely on any type of um, uh, American history museum. And so also, going a little further, there's a man named Mac McDonald. He founded the AAAV in 2002 uh, with a person named Ernie Bates and Vance Sharp uh, to find the needle on the haystack that is the black winemaker. But also uh, there is in the first place to also highlight uh, a situation to get more uh, folks 
who were African-American and black in the winemaking industry. Um, it was the organization was founded with the help of urban connoisseurs and the United Negro College Fund, and it supports um, African-Americans pursuing careers in the wine industry. There has always been uh, a constant underlying tone of racism in the wine industry. I, I even recognized it when um, I started getting interested in it. And the short time that I worked at a wine distributor where I act, in Arizona, where I actually had to do sales, I had to travel down to Tucson frequently uh, to meet with uh, executive chefs and chefs at high-end restaurants and help them uh, pair uh, the wines we had with their uh, dishes for the week or for the month. And it was, uh, I, it was a situation where I, I had not uh, had seen any uh, other um, situation except white male sommeliers, as I told you, uh, except for two females that were at a, an event. And also, as a salesperson working in the wine industry, there was there was no diversity at the 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 company I work with, as well as other companies that I work with. There was little to no diversity. And so, I this in itself is something uh, that still I think uh, needs to be addressed. There, in in 2018, Julia Coney wrote an open letter to Karen McNeil. And the wine industry, and it was entitled "Your Wine Glass Ceiling Is My Wine Glass Box." In response to an article McNeil had written for the S O M M Journal, the Somme Journal, which discussed the lack of women in the wine industry and highlighted dozens of female wine professionals, none of whom were women of color. Sommelier Ashton Barry said that the industry was both racist and classist. This continues. Further, so in 2020, there were had, there were a lot of uh, events uh, going on in situations as critical events uh, caused the wine industry to basically come to a realization about the underrepresentation and the mistreatment of marginalized groups in this industry and all sectors of the trade. So this is at some point it hit it hit the fan, uh, and from there on in, a lot of Vineyards and wineries and companies decided that we needed to do something. We need to step up. And so I am going to attempt to give an update on what's going on in the wine industry on the West Coast, California. Give you a sense that there still needs to be some growth. But let's see how much growth that uh, I can, I've uncovered in this situation. What did I do? I gathered information I googled because you know Dr. Google's amazing I guess, sometimes so I looked up what wine wine companies wineries as well as vineyards had done uh, in the last few years what events had occurred uh, social events uh, that had occurred that prompted the need for push for social justice efforts I looked up uh, how many articles I could find that talked about um, different uh, wineries uh, and different vineyards in the wine industry. And I focused on the West Coast because I'm in California. And so upon looking, uh, a short list grew uh, on the West Coast, Washington State, Oregon, in California. And I looked up uh, who had been interviewed and they were in articles. And I did continue research on those particular uh, companies and organizations 
and what they have done up until now. Raza Vineyards in Washington State. Five years ago, they bottled some of their finest Syrah and named it Humane, H-U-M-A-N, uh, brackets E, Humane. Each year, a portion of the sales uh, for this label uh, are funneled into charities around the globe. And the most recent post was in 2022, 70% of the sales were donated to charity. Also, each year, they invite prominent artists to create the labels for the Humane uh, label. Another uh, name that popped up, Ashley Trout of Vital Wines, in particular Vital Wines. Ashley Trout is a winemaker. She decided to create Vital so that all the uh, all the profits, the donate, they get all of the profits are donated. They help to fund healthcare access for vineyard workers and their families. She also uh, got involved in donating free eye exams as well as eyeglasses to the children of the vineyard workers because uh, she saw a need in her community. And that is the most recent information that I have uh, come upon. Another company in Oregon, Remy Wines, owned by Remy Drabkin, began by selling her 2019 Black Heart Sparkling Blanc de Noir to raise money for the ACLU of Oregon. And the most up, uh, most recent update, uh, last summer, 2022, Remy Wines uh, decided to convert a tractor barn into a wine production facility. And what they wanted to do is focus on sustainability in regards to this facility. So they partnered with a contractor of Vesuvian Forge Concrete Surfaces, and they started using biochar in place of some of the aggregates that are typically used to make concrete. And biochar, I will define, is a carbon negative material made from pyrolyzing organic waste from almost any source. It's used in a number of industrial applications. Carbon neutrality is achieved by reclaiming waste material, thus sequestering its carbon, and by the reduced use of conventional concrete inputs. So that was their most recent update, uh, their focus on uh, social justice focused on the environment and sustainability. Left Coast Estates in Oregon, they set a goal originally of making wine more accessible to people at all income levels and contributing to the community at the beginning of the pandemic. So through their Pinot, their Pinot for the People campaign, consumers are able to buy the 2017 Cali's Cuvée Pinot Noir for a minimum of $12. And those folks who choose to pay up uh, pay the suggested retail price of $24, can request that the additional money be donated to one of five nonprofits that include the NAACP and the Sentencing Project. The most recent update was from 2019. They restored over 100 acres of Oregon white oak, savanna, and forests. So 25% of the estate is preserved for ecological conservation. Another company in Oregon that uh, I actually wanted to find a lot more information about. I haven't gotten much more information. This is Oregon's first African-American or black female winery owner and winemaker, Eunice Choweshi Goldstein Winery, and it's in Astoria, Oregon. Each month, a proportion of the sales is donated to different charitable causes. And I found that to be, uh, that is a consistent focus, seeing people donating a, cer a certain percentage of money to causes um, which is, I think, very effective. Uh, but it also gets to the point um, that there can be other things that you can do. 
down the road as your company, your winery, your vineyard grows and expands and becomes more successful. Another company uh, moving into California, the Prisoner Wine Company in Napa, California. And so they are pretty un unconventional um, is what they tout themselves to be. So in 2022, they released the Wine Collection Corrections, which promotes awareness of and raises funds for prison reform. So each wine is wrapped in a bottle bag featuring statistics that underscore the unfairness of the criminal justice system. It's designed to spark a conversation around prison reform. And the proceeds from the Corrections Project go to Rubicon programs. This program provides access for those disproportionately impacted by the ills or damaged U.S. justice system. Now, I find that more than interesting, very uh, creative way of uh, trying to push for social justice and support social justice uh, causes. Another company that I, I actually have been buying their wines um, and did not know much until I started researching for this episode, the McBride Sisters Collection. They're in Oakland, California. They are the largest black-owned, women-owned wine company stateside. The McBride Sisters Collection is founded by sisters and vintners Andrea and Robin McBride. Uh, their mission is to transform the industry, lead by example, cultivate community, uh, and using their their wine uh, to do this. And it's been pretty successful. I mean, uh, it's I jumped on quickly and noticed uh, a lot of uh, their uh, cans are, you know, how they're not very noticeable, but they have a huge impact. The update, they originally uh, developed the um, She Can Fund. It was created to promote the professional advancement of women in the wine industry. Uh, it was supposed to help close the gender and race gap. And in the first year, the fund awarded uh, scholarships of nearly $40,000 to empower women to strive for change and to create opportunities for themselves and others. The most recent update that I found in their various programs, I start with the hashtag Yes She Can, is dedicated to the professional advancement of women in male-dominated fields. The hashtag She Can Thrive is a subset of hashtag Yes She Can. The fund's Hashtag She Can Thrive uh, program provides programming, resources, and grants for black women-owned businesses and entrepreneurs. The Another one, the hashtag She Can Grow, spelled G-R-E-A-U-X. It was launched in 2021, uh, and it, it, the hashtag She Can Grow is the Sisters She Can Fund's first ever initiative and academic scholarship program directed uh, towards historically black college and universities. Uh, it's created in partnership with Southern University's College of Agricultural, Family, and Consumer Sciences. So I found this to be uh, yet similar to the creative creativity behind the um, the Prisoner uh, Wine Company's focus on the corrections label uh, and program. The McBride Sisters have put a lot of effort, uh, more so than other wineries uh, and vineyards, in uh, towards social justice efforts and issues. And I found this to be very uh, refreshing to uh, know about this. There was another company called Justice Grace Vineyards in Sonoma, California. Uh, again, they have a solidarity uh, wines and the proceeds from these uh, from the sales go to benefit organizations fighting on behalf of various causes. 
they've been doing this, uh, they've been pushing social justice for since 2011. Uh, when they started in 2011, uh, before marriage equality was done deal in California, the labels featured a, a choice of images of same-sex couples as well as male and female dance partners in support of LGBT community. But I did not get any uh, further update as to what they are currently doing right now. Another company that caught my attention, which I've also been enjoying uh, several of their wines. Some of them are limited, so it's hard to get a hold of a hold of uh, some of their um, varietals uh, to enjoy the wines. Aveline Wines, Los Angeles, California, was started by Catherine Power and Cameron Diaz. The, this winery uses organically grown grapes. Uh, they highlight the focus they only work with uh, uh, grape growers that grow or organic grapes. They highlight the need for transparency about what goes on in their bottle. So they focus on uh, making sure you know what are all the ingredients are and they make sure they limit the ingredients in their wine. Also, Aveline partnered with the Lift Collective, the Lift Collective uh, for, their self -made, for this self-made scholarship uh, to support entrepreneurial endeavors in the wine industry. The self-made scholarship is available to women in historically underrepresented or marginalized communities. The scholarship provides much-needed funding and mentorship to each re recipient to help guide them in the entrepreneurial journeys. So these are the m most frequently talked about companies when doing a, a search of the news, doing a search online, of finding out what's been going on in the last few years on the West Coast. As I said, I focused on the West Coast. I did not focus on the East Coast or any other region of the United States. And uh, I found that there are a lot more efforts made, growing efforts uh, with wineries as well as vineyards and wine companies. But I honestly am not seeing enough. My personal opinion is I'm not seeing enough. There can be more done. There should be more done. We're in an explosive situation in our society right now where we are uh, combatant. We are uh, disagreeing and laws are being pushed that are unfair, uh, unequal, and are downright filled with hate. And so, yes, there are a lot of systems in our country that need to be revamped, done away with, uh, restructured, uh, and as well as there are a lot of political uh, situations going on that uh, we are dealing with as well that need to be handled. I did find uh, organizations that are also been pushing this effort of social justice, not just sustainability and making sure you're growing organic grapes or making sure that you are uh, your property that your company's on, your grapes grow on, uh, you know, uh, uh, respects the environment uh, and maintains the environment, a healthy environment as well, but the focus on helping people in society. The one thing overall I feel that is lacking, um, whether it is a winery, vineyard, uh, a nonprofit organization, or any type of shop, store, wine shop, anything, I'm thoroughly disappointed by the fact that it's, it's a small gripe I have, and I hope that maybe <laughs> someone would hear me uh, and change this. I've mentioned it to at least one wine company that they should try this and do this, it would be better off. Wine being enjoyed. 
yeah, we should enjoy wine. And we, if you don't, obviously you, some people don't like wine. Some people can't drink wine because of health issues. Um, but when you're talking about wine and focus on social justice, there has to be a point where people uh, take part in some product, whether it be beer or wine or anything, but I'm talking about wine. If they take part in drinking wine, there has to be a moment where contemplation happens. The word contemplation. If you really want to be influential as some type of wine organization, wine company, uh, whatever have you, whatever your uh, business structure is, there has to be a push for contemplation. While someone is enjoying your product, but there should be in a sense of pushing an idea of while you're enjoying my product, contemplate how you can get involved with us and help more. How can you also get involved? Are you buying my wine? Are you buying our product? And some of your money gets donated, which is wonderful. But how can you get more involved? So contemplate, sit here drinking my can of wine or my uh, a glass of the wine that we've produced. And contemplate how you as a consumer can get more involved. Uh, push for more diversity in the wine industry. How can you, how can you push? I mean, I actually, I, you may think this odd, but I went, it was years ago, it was when I was working in sales in wine, like I said, for a short time. And I had to go down to Tucson and I had to talk with a chef about pairing wine with uh, his dishes of the week. And his sommelier, who was a white man, came up uh, uh, while I was talking with him, interrupted me. Obviously, he was a bit rude, um, but uh, stood there and I, I talked about, you need a South African wine for this dish. And they had no idea uh, what's wrong with a South African wine. And he's like, well, there's, uh, I said, well, we have several South African wines. And then I also went on and talked about a wine that was by a, a Hispanic family grown and made and produced by his Hispanic family. I mentioned this would be perfect for this dish. And they both looked at me and, and they're like, <laughs> okay, yeah, it's probably, yeah, you're, you're just pushing what you have to sell. And I'm like, no, I have to taste this stuff before I sell it. I have to uh, recognize what it makes, what brings out the best in it, uh, in this wine. And I have to find, you know, if it's a pair, a dish with it, I have to recognize what dish would be best and to make this wine sparkle and shine. It, it, it seemed like an, a racist undertone started taking him to conversation. And I, I think at one point I obviously probably pissed him off and said, uh, well, what, you have a problem with Hispanic uh, winemakers? You have a problem with black winemakers? Uh, which, you know, I couldn't, I did not, have, you know, know of any at that time, but I was like, just started rumbling, rambling off. Um, and they're like, we just don't think the, the the comments, if I don't remember them exactly, but the comments were as if, well, we just don't think that they would have a good, they would be good quality at this time. And I want my dish to be presented in the best light with the wine. And so this contemplating for me started a long time ago when I had to learn how to pair wines with foods. 
Even going down to Savannah, Georgia and figuring out, tasting all this soul food this is amazing. I'm, I'm in heaven. I love this. And then just sitting there going, what wines would go great with this that would make this soul food more special? And just contemplating about the fact. And then me asking the person who owned the restaurant, do you have any wines that are uh, from companies owned um, by uh, African-American people or black people? Do you have any wines from, and me just start asking. And then if they go, no, I said, well, why? And, and then one comment was because we don't know anybody, but it's just like, did you do the research? Well, no. Okay. Well then do the research. So as a consumer, you can start asking restaurants, Hey, why aren't you, uh, selling this wine? Because it offers not just uh, an enjoyment uh, of this 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 product is in offers enjoyment, but it also promotes uh, and supports social justice efforts, and I want to be a part of that. So I I would have no problem walking into a restaurant where I live here in California and going, hey, why aren't you selling um, some she cans? Their rosé would be perfect with this dish which I've already thought about. So saying stuff like that and getting out there and getting people uh, who own restaurants, who own wine shops and selling the wines, why aren't you selling this wine? So, so far I've gone, uh, gone into, the, I go into different places to try to see what type of wines are sold. And my most recent interest right now are Israeli wines. Okay. Because of my Jewish ancestry, I'm, I, I'm wanting to find a way to connect through wine. And so right now I'm trying to find Israeli wines. And so um, I was glad to, to just peruse on Instagram and see folks who are in the wine industry and start finding folks saying, oh, you can find, there's Israeli wines um, all over. You can sell them. They're for sale in the United States everywhere. And then going to say Total Wine and they have uh, a, a larger selection. So I'm I'm starting right now, starting to go through that, that uh, collection of Israeli wines in Total Wine and see which ones that I like and why I like them and see which ones I don't like and why I don't like them and see which uh, would pair well, what type of dish. But this is also a situation where you can do the research as a consumer and go, hey, um, I would like to try this wine. I'm reading about it and going to a wine shop and say, I think I want you to start selling it. Now, the problem is, is I've done this in the past, lived in um, various states and going, hey, I want you to sell this wine. And they're like, well, you have to purchase a certain number of bottles in order for us to be able to put it on the shelf. And so this is where you can get your friends involved to start asking, repeat, asking, or you can put in the order and you can have your friends join in with you to pay the price for whatever required number of bottles need to be bought in order for the shop to uh, have them there uh, for sale. So there's different ways as a consumer, you can get involved and help as well and push social justice efforts. You know, it shouldn't just be one-sided with these wineries and these vineyards and these wine, uh, these organizations in the wine industry, uh, just doing all this pushing of the work um, because it really needs to be about, are they making an influence? Are they influencing you to do something? And so can they see that? Uh, and you need to show them that you know you support them and that's one way to show that they are influencing you. And so um, I'm going to uh, go through some organizations that I found. I talked earlier about Aveline getting involved with the Lyft Collective. So 
the there's ongoing fight for equity. It's resulted in an increase in nonprofit independent organizations that promote awareness for and support uh, to those who need that help. And the Life uh, Life Collective, the Lift Collective, sorry, organization since 2019 continues to advocate for equity and inclusion in the wine industry. They have an entrepreneurship program designed to provide monetary support, tangible resources, community, and professional connections uh, for entrepreneurs and new business owners working in the wine industry. There are a lot of organizations popping up. So the Wine Unify, another organization, is working within the wine industry um, to open many doors, both financially and intellectually. Uh, they've come a long way over the years, promoting a more ethnically and racially diverse profession. There's much more work to be done in terms of uh, welcoming, elevating, and amplifying the voices of underrepresented minorities. Education is key to them. It's it's the cornerstone of progress in any field, uh, but they focus on making sure they're educating uh, folks. And they ha- focus on trying to get rid of obstacles to education, including funding, offering mentorship, and general feeling of exclusion, getting rid of that. So they seek to unite in all all three ways uh, and cl- with sponsored funding initiatives for underrepresented minorities. Uh, and also I uncovered a company, the organization, it's in September 2020. It was at Maria Calvert and Lydia Richards co-founded Hispanics and Wine. Their focus was there was just no centralized place to connect Hispanics and Latinx wine professionals in the U.S. or even worldwide. So they started a community and engage. Now they currently engage more than 140 Hispanic and Latinx professionals around the world. There's also a South LA wine club started by Lindsay Williams uh, in Los Angeles, and so she organizes wine tasting events to bring together and commemorate, uh, help uh, marginalized people in the wine industry. And so she focuses on making sure that she's educating. And she, uh, her wine club has an overarching philosophy is to cultivate a community a culture around wine tasting that includes enjoyment, education, engaging dialogue, as well as facilitating connections with winemakers in South LA, Inglewood, and other neighborhoods. So she also launches a, a speak series pairing local leaders and winemakers, and she donates half the proceeds from the wine sales to Black Lives Matters in Los Angeles. So this is good to see that there are a lot more organizations popping up. And this is, uh, I believe, the foundation that is necessary in order for vineyards and wineries to uh, use them as a jumping off point. These organizations can educate the wineries and vineyards and companies. They can give them insight and the creative uh, ability to be creative about how they support social justice issues. So I would like to see more organizations involved in uh, educating the wineries and the vineyards and the uh, companies in the wine industry because it sustainability is important, but it's not the only thing you can do. And if we remember early on the audio talking, audio about Ernie Carpenter and he's saying, okay, you want to get focus on your efforts on sustainability, but are you actually, uh, are you actually employing sustainable practices? And is there anything else you can do? I mean, there's just, there's so much more you can do as a a company in the wine industry uh, to help and push forward social justice. So we have an update on the wine industry's efforts towards social justice on the West Coast. And it doesn't seem like it's 
much of an update. There are more wineries and vineyards and companies involved and organizations involved, but there's still that underlying, uh, there's still that this situation where there's not enough effort being made. It seems as if uh, the calls for supporting social justice uh, are falling by the wayside. Uh, there needs to be more effort uh, from more wineries and vineyards uh, to focus on other areas that are in need. And there should be an ongoing push to influence your consumers to help and to get involved, to not leave it at just donations or that uh, you have um, only some people benefiting with uh, special labels. It should be that your consumers need to know that they need to show that they are uh, interested in that they uh, uh, that they see and understand your message that you should get involved. And so my update is what it is. I don't think that there is enough going on. Um, I think that uh, I, there is too much. Uh, we are witnessing and experiencing right now. There's so much more this industry could do. So this is a wrap on episode three, uh, West Coast Wines and Social Justice. And I hope in the near future to do an up another update on this. Uh, and hopefully I see that there's been more improvement and more involvement. Uh, but until then, this is uh, a wrap on episode three. Uh, this is episode three of That Fram episode. I wish you well. Please enjoy your wines. Please buy more wines from, from these companies and others that are uh, supporting social justice causes. Please support, uh, in general, social ju justice causes. Uh, and uh, get out there and uh, get involved. You are a member of the society. Uh, let's do something good and let's do something right. So, and Next time, I have a different topic on episode four. I wish you all well. I hope you have a lovely uh, spring and talk to you next time. The Fram episode.